it's time to get reconnected. Tune in every week to Enneagram Restored Podcast for Reconnected, a relationship series on how the Enneagram can be a bridge between your relationship goals and the current reality of your relationships. Story Podcast. I'm your host, Braylon Williams, and for my faithful listeners, I thank you for once again tuning in. And for our new listeners, I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, today we're going to begin looking into how the head types can become reconnected, and we're going to start with type fives today. Um, but before we jump into talking about fives, I, I want to take a quick moment, just right here at the very outset of this episode, to discuss a little bit in detail about how the rest of season two for of Enneagram Restore podcast will look. All right. So after today, there will be three more episodes for the Reconnected Relationship series. Then there will be a crash course, crash course episode over the subtypes and crash course episode over the Enneagram groups. And then finally, as always, we'll have a season finale episode um, so there are only six episodes left in season two, um, but which is kind of hard to believe. It seems like yesterday it just started putting together the outline of what season two would look like um, before you scripted anything. It was like, all right, this is what we want to talk about this season. It's planning a date. It seems like all that happened just yesterday, but um, time sure does fly. Um, but there are only six left in this season. But one thing I can say for sure, um, there will definitely be a season three of Enneagram Restored Podcast. Um, unfortunately, at this time, I don't know when that will start, uh, but it's going to be a season three. Um, and I'll talk about what season three will look like um, in later episodes. So um, no further ado, let's talk about type fives and how they can become reconnected. again let's start off by talking about um how fives love what are the motivations behind their expression of love and so for five their expression of love is motivated by their desire for independence and privacy it's motivated by avarice and it's motivated by a disconnection from doing fives have a high value on privacy and independence which makes 
establishing and maintaining boundaries second nature to them. Um, they know how to say, all right, here's my space. Please don't come into this space because this is where I become myself and this is where you become you. They are this, this desire, this value on privacy and independence really just allows them to be physically bounded, have physical boundaries, emotional boundaries, um, and, and health boundaries as well. So that's, that's a good quality for flies. But this high value on privacy and independence limits their interaction with other people. And I love how um, Suzanne Stabile said in, in her book, The Path Between Us, she says, five see independence as the key to managing their lack of energy. This is ironic since the real solution is interdependence, a real authentic relationship. But that requires an understanding about relationship that most fives don't have until midlife. In fact, one of the reasons fives avoid needing help from others lies in the reality that they find interaction to be a challenge. Interaction as a challenge. Kind of want to break that phrase down. What does it mean for a five to have a challenge for interaction? And it, it's this. Fives are analytical um, people, um, kind of reclusive in nature. Um, so they're going to analyze the best before they can see how they can interact. They have to analyze, all right, this is how this is going. This is how this relationship is going. How can I interact? Instead of just being present um, and being themselves, they're constantly analyzing situations, analyzing the relationship before they are able to be present. And so it, it kind of has to take a, and for that challenge to dissipate, they kind of have to flip the flip it over a little bit and be and say, all right, I'm going to be present. Then I can analyze how things are going and we can do a plan from there. All right. Um, but now I want to talk about average. Now, Avarice is probably a word you have never heard of. And if you heard of it, then you probably don't know how or when to even use it. So what is avarice? According to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, avarice is excessive or insatiable desire for wealth or gain. So in short, avarice is greed. Um, no doubt about that. But now for five, though, it's not, their avarice is not for money, it's not for wealth, it's not for material things, but their avarice, their greed is for, once again, privacy and independence. Their avarice is about not having enough internal resources to meet the demands of life. All right, so the last thing I want to talk about in in this of how a five is motivated to love is their disconnection from doing. And to better understand this motivation, I want to read an excerpt from The Path Between Us by Suzanne Stabile. All right, so this is what this expert, this part of this book says. 
Along with fours and nines, fives are aware when a situation calls for action, but they are often blind to the possibility that they should be the one to act. They may wonder what happened, analyze how it should be fixed, or suggest ideas to others, but they rarely take initiative to do something. One result of this lack of initiative is that they repress their ability to affect the world. But it's a cycle. Fives believe that they do not, do not or cannot make a difference in either process or outcome, so they don't take action. And then this inactivity feeds into their mistaken beliefs that they have no power to effect change. This thinking has serious implications for relationships since it means that fives often don't do their part, ignoring responsibilities at work and at home. On a deeper level, those of us who love fives struggle when they are unwilling or unable to act on our behalf when we need them most. So well put. I don't want to take away or add anything. So let's move on to talk about a fives limitation of love. Now, ironically, for a five, their limitation of love is relationships. <laughs> they, their love is limited by relationships. Fives desire connections and relationships just like everyone else, but they don't need nor do they want a boundless amount of relationships. They only want select few people in their life. They, they, they really get this, they get the sentiment of having close friends and having a circle of closer people. And, you know, they really get that sentiment. Um, but to really, again, I love Suzanne Stabile's book, The Path Between Us. It really gets great insights into the relationship realm of the Enneagram, uh, how each type interacts with themselves and others. So to really dive deeper into this limitation of love, I want to read you this quote um, that she put in her book again. I think fives get lonely just like the rest of us. But I also think that think their need for connection is more easily met. Fives want relationship, but they don't need it. They, they have lesser need for the depth of relationship than a lot of us do. Um, which again, I challenge them as a five to go deeper into relationship um, and take on more relationships as well. I, that's a challenge for, uh, I'll talk more about later in the episode, but that's my challenge for fives is to go deeper in relationships. So in summary, summary, independence, avarice, and disconnection from doing and relationships are all motivating factors in how a five loves. I am so grateful for everyone's support. Without you guys, this podcast would not be possible. But if you're not already subscribed to Enneagram Restored Podcast, don't forget to follow and subscribe Enneagram Restored Podcast to be notified of each new episode that is released. Now let's talk about the five love languages that are most to least apparent in type fives. Now, 
if you don't know what the five love languages are, um, they're pretty self-explanatory in their name. Is You have quality time, physical touch, acts of service, gifts, and words of affirmation. Um, pretty, like I said, they're pretty explanatory by the name. But if you want to know more, you can go back to earlier episodes of this season of the Enneagram Star podcast to um, find out more. I want to say it will be about episode six, I think, um, six or seven. You can, I talk a little bit more about what these five love languages are in that in those episodes, but also you can also read Dr. Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, The Secret to Love That Last. Um, so, uh, like I said, they're pretty self-explanatory, but if you want to know more, those are just a few resources by going back into early episodes of this podcast, as well as Dr. Gary Chapman's book, um, um, what they are. All right. So what are the most to least apparent love languages in type five? Now, as always, I want to remind you that this ranking is solely my opinion. It is, but it's an opinion that is based on research. It's an opinion that's based on general knowledge of the five population. All right, so most of least apparent love languages starts with quality time. Second, acts of service. Third, words of affirmation. Fourth, physical touch. And last but not least, gifts. Now, I don't want to really spend too much time discussing the love languages in this episode. Uh, I know I have in previous episodes really diving deep into uh, what each love language just means to um, that type, but it just doesn't feel right to really take a deeper look to every single love language for this type. So, but I do want to talk about quality time more in depth and which is quality time is the most apparent love language in a type five. And the reason for that being is because quality time is probably the most private love language that there is and fives are private people so you're probably asking how is quality time private well quality time is private because it requires two people giving each other their undivided attention and it's nearly impossible to give your undivided attention to more than one person at a single time. Thus, it's a private love language because you are limiting who is around. It's just you and your partner, you and your friend. It's just you and your mother, you and your father, you and your sister, you and your brother, you and your niece, you and your uncle, you and your aunt. There's nobody else in the room but you two because it requires a level of undivided attention to each other that you cannot possess nor give if there's other people in the room. Because by human nature, we want to look and say, all right, we might know, all right, I've got to give my undivided attention to my wife in this moment, but my kids are in the room and my um, sister is in the room too. So now even though I'm trying to give my undivided attention to my wife, 
innately my attention is going to what are my kids doing how how are they interacting and also it is is everything okay with my sister over here having more people in the room takes away privacy but then it also takes away quality time because your attention is not focused it's not set on that one person is not set on your wife um, in this case so yeah quality time is the most apparent love language in a five I'm so glad that you have chosen to come along with me in another season of restoration. Season one was so great. And I think that in the second season, uh, it's important to focus on relationships. And so I also want to challenge you in the second season that you'll be intentional about showing love to your significant other, family and friends. All right, now let's talk about type five's compatibility with each of the nine types and it's always I want to remind you that compatibility is not saying what I'm about to say is not saying okay you can only be in this type of relationship with this other type no it's all about saying all right here are some innately good qualities of a five to four relationship and here are some areas of life that are going to need some attention that are going to need you to say all right if we want this relationship to thrive we've got to work on this area uh, what i say here in about each type of compatibility is not the be end all and be all it's only a guiding book it's only a map for you to build a healthier more thriving relationship with that type all right because reality the true test of tying for two people to be compatible is each of their desire and will to work on the relationship to work toward a shared common goal of the relationship that's the true test of compatibility within any relationship whether you know your enneagram type or not that's what compatibility is are you willing to work on the relationship? That's how two people become more compatible. All right. So as always, this is the longer segment of um, the series. And so I want to kind of get us through it faster. I'm going to read my notes. And so forgive me if it sounds a little bit robotic and monotone at sometimes, but I, I want to get us to this as quick as possible because it does take a longer time than any other segment of the uh, podcast. All right. So let's start with fives and ones. Romance in the five and one relationship takes some time to develop. The one in five relationship is often left in the friendship level. This relationship possesses similar qualities within each type. Both see themselves as fact oriented one is like their ideas and philosophies to have practical ramifications. On the other hand, fives are more purely mental. Both bring a desire to be objective and their want to avoid sentimentality in the relationship. Personal boundaries are highly respected by both the five and the one. So when it comes to intimacy, either types will rarely make the first move unless they have some pretty strong signals from the other person that they would be welcomed 
The main source of conflict in this relationship is rooted in the fact that both types find it difficult to change their basic philosophies of life, and they find it difficult to respect anyone who believes the opposite of them. Ones tend to believe that tend to believe in the objectivity of certain truths and believe that once these are known, there is the possibility of arriving at objective certitude. They feel that their ideals and philosophies have given them contact with some form of ultimate truth, and therefore they are living from a viewpoint in which acquiring certainty is a moral imperative. On the other hand, fives are skeptics and debunkers of certitude. While all of this is part of the conflict dynamic in the one and five relationship, they both avoid imposing their own beliefs on the other, which can lead the relationship to become cold and distant, impersonal and analytic, tinged with resignation and cynicism. All right, take it, page turn. The five and two pairing is made up of two people who are complete opposites. You have a two who is a people person within the feeling triad, and you have a five who is a loner within the thinking triad. Because they are so different from each other, there can be an intense attraction to the mystery of the other. Twos bring a willingness to take the initiative and to pursue the five in the relationship. They see the they see fives as challenges distant, mentally preoccupied, and difficult to charm, since it is so hard to know what pleases fives because they are so private, twos only try harder to know. Fives bring stability and quietness, dispassionate good judgment, and objectivity, especially in crises, to the relationship. They are not as attached to outcomes, which allows them to be able to make decisions more wisely and be good advisors to the more emotionally volatile too. Many of the issues for this couple has to do with their boundaries and how respectful or how not respectful they are to each other. It all starts when the two becomes frustrated by the five's lack, lack of immediate response to them, which hurts the two's feelings and feels like rejection to them. The two's activities then become a form of intrusion that at its roots is the need to reassure themselves that the five is still connected with them. However, the more intrusive the two becomes, the more the five internally withdraws and detaches emotionally from what feels like a threat to the to their autonomy and competence. In turn, the five starts to lose their self-confidence and are actually harmed by being overly helped. But lower functioning twos feel that they have no value unless they are helping people. The more distance a five puts between themselves and the two, the more this brings out the two's obsessions and the more aggressive they become in their pursuit of the five. It is a prescription for disaster or at least loneliness for both. If twos learn to wait until fives are ready to share information about their lives, then this relationship will become more successful. The five and three pairing is composed of two people who are primarily focused on their work and on objective issues and concerns. Both are preoccupied with competency and effectiveness, which this is an area that they both support in each other in an outstanding way. Threes give fives confidence 
presentation skills, and awareness of the importance of communicating effectively with others. Fives gives threes depth, new areas of expertise and credibility, while sparking the threes creativity. They also both understand each other's need to balance closeness with their need for personal space. They both have deep feelings, but neither really focuses on their feelings for the sake of getting on with their work, which is also the source of their relationship conflicts. A great amount of their self-esteem is derived from their work and how it is regarded by others. They could get to some heated arguments about which one of them was the originator of ideas. Threes tend to want to get on with the project or with whatever they feel needs to be done, while fives tend to take a long time fine-tuning and tinkering until they feel that they have adequately complete which completed this task, which is the difference, which this difference is of time, resources, and priorities can be a cause of many conflicts within a relationship. The three and five couple is another couple who tends not to talk about their feelings or misgivings about the relationship until it is too late. Then they both can become sarcastic and hostile, icy and distant from each other. Both can be arrogant and impatient with each other, which can cause them to begin to have little admiration for each other. Threes seem shallow and dishonest to fives, and fives seem weird and repulsive to threes. For this couple... Turning a negative situation around would depend on how much each need the other, as well as the depth and breadth of the other's shared values, such as children and spiritual beliefs. It will be difficult to salvage the relationship once the connection has been broken, since both types tend to be suspicious and cynical about people. Both the five and the four brings a certain richness and special qualities of aspects of human de development to their relationship. Fours bring an artistic and emotional temperament, the habit of introspection and sensitivity to feelings in themselves and others. Fives bring an inquiring intellectual temperament, the habit of asking questions and of being interested in a wide variety of things and of being willing to break with old conventions. Both are private people and like death, and they don't mind taking time to explore things deeply and to savor the riches of their own experience. They each appreciate the other's different perspectives, and they respect the other's intensity and commitment to following their own feelings and interests. Another great thing about this relationship is that fives draw fours out by showing them other worlds and other perspectives with the depth that fours like. And fours help five stay in contact with their personal self and feelings. Discord in this relationship hinges on the idea of intimacy versus detachment. Fours are emotional types who tend to push for more contact and intimacy, sometimes becoming overly demanding, whereas fives are thinking types and tend to push for more detachment and space in the relationship, becoming more reclusive and private. Fours can experience fives as being too intellectual and Feel that fives are private. They feel that fives are analyzing them rather than sympathizing with their emotional needs and states. They tend to be easily frustrated with the quality of attention they get from fives, as they tend to provoke the five until they get a response. On the other hand, fives can see fours as 
bottomless pits of emotional needs who drain their time and energy. If fours learn to appreciate the fives, minimalist emotional style, and fives learn to appreciate the fours' depth of feeling, it will help the relationship to become a thriving relationship. In a double five pairing, they are each virtually the idea of the perfect companion to each other. Well-informed, intellectually stimulating, independent, imaginative, quiet, unless it's about a subject uh, of mutual interest, fact-oriented, as opposed to being early, utter, utterly emotionally and subjective. Not intrusive and always ready for a good debate or a good movie. The double five relationship can have long breaks of silence that are punctuated by intense bursts of communication. And in order for the double five parent to have a meaningful relationship, they must learn quickly how to balance the independence they require with a degree of intimacy, personal sharing, and self-disclosure that is required to establish a meaningful relationship. The double five pairing can suffer from over-intellectualizing their relationship, approaching each other analytically rather than as someone to be felt or identified within a more emotional and subjective way. The double five pairing also tends to compartmentalize their life together. In the end, too much emotional distance and too much restraint to expressing oneself can erode the intimacy of the double five pairing. While both fives and sixes are mental types, there are still significant differences between them. Both respect detail, factual objectivity and accuracy, craftsmanship and the ability to analyze situations without inserting personal opinions or biases. The five and six pairing also can be highly effective in dealing with crises because both are attuned to danger and to bringing their expertise to solving problems. Now fives tend to be more skeptical than sixes however they are accepting of sixes of sixes changing needs for independence with connection and they are patient with the sixes uncertainty the sixes devotion and understanding understated caring can break through the five's tendency to isolate thus fives and sixes as a pair tend to have a symbiotic intellectual relationship of doubt and decision questions and answers problems solved and problems discovered that can be endlessly stimulating. The problem for this relationship is that fives and sixes tend to think in diametrically of opposite ways and often are on the opposite side of the fence in their conclusions. Sixes tend to look to precedents for guidance about how to proceed, whereas fives tend to take greater intellectual leaps of the imagination and to consider less or not at all what has to be what has been the received wisdom or common consensus of opinion. Without intentionality and hard work, this pair of emotional opposites might feel they were better off as colleagues than intimate partners. One wants to put off put out fires and the other wants to play with the matches.
both fives and sevens bring a lot of mental energy and appreciation for ideas to the relationship. Each one brings something to the relationship that the other doesn't have. Fives bring depth, clarity of our observation, insight into the objective state of affairs, independence and self-reliance, and often a wonderfully offbeat, whimsical, whimsical sense of humor. Sevens bring quickness, not only of mind, but of spirit, ready to do almost anything at a moment's notice. Fives ground and deepen sevens. Sevens get fives to try new experiences and to make more social contracts. And they both have conversations and ideas. They love to explore new realms together. While this is a complementary and reciprocal relationship, this is also a relationship of two people who are opposites with, di with different attitudes about how to enjoy themselves and how to be fulfilled in the world. Five say, life is short, don't expect too much. Whereas seven say, life is short, try it all. Both of these attitudes are true and can usefully balance the other. The biggest problem for this relationship is each type deals with stress differently. For fives, stress sends them into detachment. For seven, stress sends them into hyperdrive. Now let's talk specifically about how each type sees the other when they are in lower levels of health. In the lower levels, fives can see sevens as to escape as superficial, intrusive, and coarse. The sevens want fives to be more fun so they that their experience will be more positive. Sevens embarrass fives by being too effusive and glib. On the other hand, sevens think fives are cold and unresponsive. Conflicts with each other's style, they both dig in their heels. Sevens become more demanding and pushy, whereas fives become more withdrawn and uncooperative. Sevens may act out to get the fives' attention, but they may go too far, causing fives to close the door. A lack of trust and difficulty in finding a safe common ground to work out differences makes things worse as both types tend to take extreme, well-defended positions. The five and eight coupling brings complementary, complementary and reciprocal talents to each other. For example, eights need, eights need for the five's ability to move slowly and think on all the information before acting and the ability to appreciate moments of neutrality. Not only do both of these types feel like misfits, but they also have a common insistence on independence and not interference from others. They both understand each other's emotional core in an unspoken way, and they both need personal space. As a couple, they bring power, depth, action, thoughtfulness, brilliance, and brashness to the world. While this is such a complimentary couple, they, mo they both know and will attack each other's vulnerabilities if provoked enough in order to protect themselves. The thing that I love most about this couple is that an ace past agony from not being protected is safe within with the five. And the five doesn't demand more emotion than the eight is willing or able to give. And lastly, the five and nine coupling. This coupling is characterized by a sense of quiet, non-intrusiveness, spaciousness, 
and respect for each other's boundaries, work, and individuality. This couple also has a great deal of personal and emotional space. Nines who are more who are the most emotional type of this coupling, but more but often doesn't know how to express their feelings. Appreciate the five's ability to draw them out of the inner fuzziness. Fives appreciate the nine's warmth and nurturing, nurturing qualities, which allows them the five to relax deeply and completely. Often this couple is initiating each other into very different world views. However, tension in this relationship grows as a result of the very amount of space that each is willing and able to give to the other. Both types are highly aware of boundaries and of feeling pressured or intruded on by anyone, and so both tend to expect an unusual degree of independence from the other and give a large degree of freedom to the other without being asked. For this reason, it is often difficult for both types to take the initiative or to be decisive about calling on a regular basis or even to know what their feelings are telling them about the other. This is why both types can be disconnected from themselves and each other, which will often cause them to live in projections and imaginations rather than seeing the other as they are. You know, it sounds cliche, but it rings so true that the that communication is key. Just like a lot of the other pairings, learning healthy and effective communication skills will help strengthen this couple's relationship. I just want to pause where we are and we've covered a lot. Let's just take a moment to breathe. Let's close our eyes and just breathe in deep and sense where we are. Feel the Feel the breath as you inhale deeply and feel your feet against the floor and just feel your environment around you. So great. Oftentimes we rush through life and we soak in all this information. And so I just really wanted to make it a point throughout this series and even at next season uh, of life. And even as this podcast continues, I just want to make it a point for not only me, but for also those around me to just take a moment throughout your day and just breathe. Allow yourself to be grounded through just feeling the environment. Now, I know we only taking a short time of breathing here, but I encourage you to take even longer. Take five minutes, 10 minutes, as long as you like to just make it a part of your daily schedule to just take a moment in the quietness and breathe deeply. Allow yourself to be grounded in, in life. Allow, you, allow yourself to feel your feet touching the ground, your breath entering in and out of your lungs. Just a moment to be grounded in the business of life. All right. Um, we've talked about how a five loves their motivations behind their 
expression of love. We, you know, talked about the love languages in a five, and we talked about their compatibility with each of the nine types. But how is it that a five can become reconnected with themselves and others? Well, let's talk about it. But before we talk about it, let, let me remind you that of these two things. One, reconnection is not just for estranged relationships. It's when I, when I speak of reconnection, of course, I'm definitely talking about the estranged relationships. You know, you haven't talked to someone in 10 years. You haven't um, seen somebody in 20 years. It, reconnection is definitely for those type of relationships. But it's also for the relationships where you see people every day, but you just feel like there's an aspect, a depth of your relationship that's missing. You may see your mother every day, but you may feel like there's a part of your relationship with her that is just not in the puzzle. It's a piece of the puzzle that's missing. Reconnection is for that. You, I mean, you live with your wife or with your husband. You see them every day. You sleep in the same bed at night. But you may feel like there's a piece of the puzzle that's missing. Reconnection is for that relationship. You may be a college student who sees your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your fiance every day, sometimes 16 times a day, but you feel like there's a piece of the puzzle that's missing in your relationship. Reconnection is for that relationship. All right. Now, the second thing I want to remind you of is that Reconnection starts with an ideological understanding that moves into a practical understanding, a.k.a. it starts with mentally understanding, all right, this is something, and then how can I put it into practice, all right? So now that we are, those two things are in the forefront of our minds, um, let me talk to everyone who is a five. So if you're not a five, you can zone out if you want to but if you are a type five please pay close attention right now lean in to what i'm about to say for you the ideological understanding begins with understanding and accepting that life is not meant to be done alone now of course it, it's nice to every now and then to escape and to become a recluse but in order to fully enjoy life, you will need some deep, intimate relationships. So take this ideological understanding and turn it into practical understanding and put it into practice by pushing yourself past your relationship, your relational boundaries, expanding your social contracts. And what do I mean by that? If you feel like you can only give two hours to hanging out with your friend before you had to become a recluse and go to the privacy of your home, one day try going two hours and 20 minutes before you leave. The next time, try going two and a half hours before you leave. The next time, try going two hours and 45 minutes before you leave and go home. Then just keep small increments just keep on going longer and longer and longer longer before you know it 
you'll be able to stay as long as you want without feeling like you have to become private, but you can, you will find a way to be private and have privacy within yourself while also being present and fully known in the relationship, in the moment. Life is not meant to be done alone. There's so much more better when you have some deep, intimate relationships with people. All right. Sorry. So now, if you're a type one, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, or nine, I want you to lean in right now. Really pay, pay close attention to what I'm about to say because this is going to help you in reconnecting with a five. All right. So for everyone who's a one, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, or nine, the ideological understanding for you is that understand that fives are independent and private people. I know I've talked about this independence and private uh, privacy a lot about a five within this episode, but just really understand and accept that they are independent and private people who have high value on boundaries. So how this looks in the practical understanding for you is that you have to practice respecting and accepting a five's boundaries. If they say, please don't come in my room for the next 20 minutes, respect that. Or if they say, please, I, I just need to, I, I just need you to be with me. Don't, let's not say anything. Let's just sit in the quietness right now. Respect that boundary. But as you respect and accept their boundaries, Encourage them to expand their boundaries. And I've been reading, I just got to reading Brene Brown's um, book, The Atlas of the Heart, and I've watched the um, episodes that she put out about the Atlas of the Heart on HBO Max, which I highly encourage you to go and purchase Atlas of the Heart and to watch it on HBO Max if you have it. Uh, powerful book, powerful series. Uh, so the thing that she talked, there's a key phrase that she talks about, and that phrase is, what does support look for, like for you in the moment? That will be your best friend for you in connecting with a five and saying, all right, what does support look like for you? And what that means, you, you ask a five, what does support look like for you in this moment? If they say, you know what, I just need 10 minutes. I want us to sit together, no talking, just being present. Do that. Sit for 10 minutes, no talking. Just you and the five. If they say, I, I, I want to talk about this, talk about that. If they say, oh, let's, let's go shopping. Go shopping. I'm telling you. If you use that phrase, what does support look like for you? Connecting with a five, connecting with anybody will be so much more better. And I'm so glad that I, I read this book and I could have in more a timely manner um, that this book came out. So again, that I encourage you to go 
purchase copy of Brene Brown's book, The Atlas of the Heart. Uh, as well, she has a couple episodes that discuss a few of the chapters on HBO Max. Um, so I encourage you to at least watch those, but I also encourage you to read the book as well. Matter of fact, I encourage you to read the book first and then watch the episodes. But that's how you can become reconnected with the five and how five can become reconnected with themselves and others. All right. So. One thing I did forget to mention, though, is also encourage a five to verbalize their analytical thoughts that they are having in their mind during stressful times. During uncomfortable times. All right. That, that's that's how you can become reconnected with a five. All right. So powerful. So many great things. Well, that is it for this week's episode of Enneagram Restored Podcast. Again, thank you for listening. Um, and don't miss next week's show where we'll talk about how type sixes can become reconnected. Also, don't forget to follow and subscribe to Enneagram Restored Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Instagram. Uh, we'd love to give you a follow back on Instagram if you do. Um, and as always, remember... That the Enneagram doesn't define you, but it does bring restoration. It helps reshape your thinking and habits. Mm-hmm.